Dear Diary, today I took the first step, the first step in becoming an ADHD coach. I can't actually quite believe it. I want to learn, grow and build something extraordinary. I think this journey will be... Shh, the Indigo Diaries. Dear Diary, welcome world to the Indigo Diaries and welcome to our exciting new series, Series 2, The World Through a Trainee's Coach's Eyes. And that coach is me, Tasha Hicklin. The Indigo Dies is a podcast for those who want to learn about ADHD through other people's experiences. So it's three weeks, actually, I realized today since I released an episode, let alone recorded an episode. Um, and it's actually quite funny. So I got all my microphone out. It's been away for quite a while. I got it all out ready to record. And my USB audio jack is broken. <laughs> So typical, I had a bit of a meltdown and I was like, oh my goodness, so typical, so typical Tash. So I'm actually recording using uh, my headphone mic. So if the sound's a bit all over the place, I do apologize. I've ordered it, but we are going through a pandemic and in Malaysia, we're going through Chinese New Year at the minute, so it might take a few weeks, but it's coming. So... (laughs) funny story and I was like I can't I can't I, I said to my partner I can't I can't release this I was like I can't do it I can't do it it's not going to be good enough and then I was like no remember perfectionism is not a thing so I'm just going to be really honest with you it might not be perfect but I'm here anyway and I'm going to give it a try talking about perfection I thought about making an excuse for trying to fit my way through this but I can't do that. I'm very honest. And my new goal this year is to be a bit more transparent because honesty and transparency is a lot different. And even if it means it's a bit harder, it's uh, I think it's really important. But it's nothing to be ashamed of as I'm human and I'm trying to manage ADHD, COVID, trying to work hard, and a lot of other things. So the reason why I haven't released an episode the full truth is I've just had no time and I've had no effort. I spent the last few weeks really kind of struggling. I found it such a challenge. I've not really felt myself since probably the beginning of January uh, with commitments, overwhelm and just so much pressure of doing two courses. Uh, too much is probably the best phrase to really narrow it down. But after a week of rest, I things have started to settle so I'm ready and I'm back so I'm back 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 and I'm really happy that I really really missed verbal processing I really missed preparing it editing it but I just not had the time so but I'm going to start today I started today with the honest and I'm going to start today with the celebration I absolutely cannot believe it that I finished my first course my first course was four months and I can't believe I finished it finally it gave me the note. After quitting my master's last year, I really didn't think that I could do it. And that's why I did kind of a pre-course before I started my coaching course, because I wanted to see if I could do it. And I cannot believe I've actually done it. I did all the reading. And they said to me at the end, they said, what has been the biggest thing? And I said, the biggest thing that is the fact that I'm here at the end. And they all looked at me and I was like, I'm, I'm actually made it. I made it, I'm laughing, I'm smiling, I've grown. I did all the reading, I didn't put things off. Yeah, this month might have been a lot, but that's because I had two 
not just one. So I'm really glad that I did that, but I'm really glad it's finally finished. And I'm really more motivated than ever to just concentrate finally on my ADHD coaching course. I'm itching to go. So as promised, I'm back and we're going to kind of get it where we left off. I am a bit further ahead, but I want to, I told, I told everyone that I was going to do this episode. So that's what I'm going to do. So ah, I've just realized I've been talking for like four minutes. So I'm going to get started. This is promised. We're, we're talking today about ADHD and the diagnostic process across the lifespan and the worldwide. So I'm just going to start with being a child and then go up to adult. Getting a diagnosis, just that word diagnosis. I know so many people that didn't get diagnosed until they were adults. So this is really kind of a big topic for so many people, the actual diagnosing of getting of this condition. So just to start off, I just wanted to tell you that uh, a new study just came out and it says one in 10 children in the world have ADHD. One in 10. So if you're in a room of 100 children, 10 children are likely to have ADHD. And I just couldn't believe that. I mean, that's just so many. And there's still so not enough knowledge in most places. And it was really eye-opening for me. So they started off talking about boys you know, tend to externalize those symptoms while girls internalize it. So 12.9% of boys to 5.6% of girls get diagnosed. And like, that's like 7% difference. I mean, that is just crazy. You know, that, that stereotype of ADHD, the hyperactive boy that has behavior issues and sits there the naughty child that sits there in the back of the classroom and kicks off and that is still what people think when they think of ADHD and it's not even half of it it's not even a quarter of it even if you have ADHD it's not half of it so we'll get there so you can actually get diagnosed from the age of four it used to be seven but it's now changed However, it's more common when academics really start to hit. However, there's so many contradictions because it says there's so much more common once academics start. But what happens if a child doesn't have academic challenges or doesn't have externalization challenges? Then this is when it becomes really, really dark let alone coexisting conditions and everything else. If, if a child doesn't have that, then how are people going to pick them up if we still see in that stigma of ADHD as a child, as that boy in the classroom? Don't get me wrong, there's a lot more knowledge now than when I was a child. However, it's still so far, far from coming even recognizable in most parts of the world. And then they were saying that two thirds of teens, hyperactivity goes into cognitive, cognitive, and that's why people believe that you grow out of ADHD, you know, till, still till 2013, which is only actually like 
you know, nine years ago, eight years ago, can't do maths, <laughs> eight years ago, that it was seen in adults. And that's why it wasn't picked up with adults because most of the hyperactivity goes in internal, you know, with breathlessness, with your brain not being able to turn off, insomnia, I could keep going. So that's why the beliefs were there. And obviously the DSM-5 only came up with that. And we talked a lot last episode about the DSM-5, which is a diagnostic criteria uh, in America. And so for a child, there is two different diagnostic criteria. There's one for hyperactivity and impulsivity, and there's one for inattentiveness. We talked last time about predominantly not types, all this. So you have to get six or more out of nine. So there's nine different ones on the first criteria and there's nine on the second. And you have to get six or more. So if you have if you have a combined presentation like myself, you have to get six or more on both, not, in not integrated both. If you've got six or more on hyperactivity, then that, then you have predominantly that, that, that presentation. And if you have six or more in intensive, you have six or more on that type. That's a lot. And then it has to be in two different parts of your life and it has to be present within the last six months. And when you look at these, these things on there, like talks excessively, gets distracted very easily. For me, that's the surface level of ADHD. And they were talking in class and I was thinking, that's the surface level of ADHD. But I'm going to come to that later. So for a child, that's what you, that, that's the diagnostic criteria. Six or more on them two, and there we go. And you have to get it from two different parts of your life. So that might be a teacher, your parents. And that's how you get diagnosed. There's no brain scan. There's no things. There's nothing like that. Because there's not enough knowledge of it. And then becomes an adult diagnosis. And it becomes a lot more challenging. The lack of knowledge, the effects and the impact of being undiagnosed for so long, other coexisting conditions, wrong diagnosis. And I could literally go on for hours about the impacts of when it becomes an adult. But the process is very similar to a child. The actual diagnostic process is very similar. The only similar differences is that you have to get five symptoms, not six. Some places actually do four symptoms, but most places do five. So that's five on the hyperactivity and impulsivity and five on the inattentiveness. And then yet again, it has to be present in two parts of your life, but it also has to be presented before the age of 12 so that they know you've not just got it now because an effect of something else. And it has to be for more than six months. But the thing for me was, if you're undiagnosed for 20, 30, 40, 70 years, I've even heard, then that can lead to so many other things. So many other coexisting conditions that could be anxiety, depression, that bipolar, that have come from living so many years of just thinking that you were strange, weird, shame didn't fit in 
you're too this, you're too that. If you would like any information on Indigo's support group, check out the website below for our link to our Facebook page or email at indigo.adhd2020 at gmail.com. If you would like to offer any comments or feedback or if you are interested in the world hearing your story, then please reach out either through the group or through our email. As said before, have a good week. Check in again later, Indigos. Shh, the Indigo Diaries. That diagnostic criteria, yes, is the symptoms, but it's not all the symptoms. And it really, really has a huge impact uh, in other ways that I really don't think even touches on on this and it's just it's such a complex condition that I really don't think we have got there with the diagnostic criteria and don't even get me started when it comes to doctors not knowing about it other doctors that no one can get resources, people being misdiagnosed, then that's a whole different ball game. But the actual diagnostic, when someone sits there and you're getting diagnosed and you get all the questionnaires out, you've got to go to your parents, you're, you're relying on people's opinions and what people have seen. But what about the things that they've not seen? Because ADHD is not a seen disorder unless you have the external hyperactivity. But what about inattentive? You can't see it to the visible eye, which means that people find it hard to believe what they cannot see, which is what we talked about in last episode. And it's just really sad. And they were talking about what actually causes ADHD and the fact that people still think it's bad parenting, too much sugar, too much TV. But it's been proven now that it's genetic and it's, you know, 25 to 90 percent genetic. However, Mr. Lot still because of many other beliefs. And on the course, they wanted us to go back and look at our families and this and that and this. And that's just really hard for anybody to have to think, you know, older generations that may not want to believe it or see it. And there's so much more to it than just a questionnaire and I don't really feel that anybody tells you any of this like so then they asked you these questions so I'm going to explain a bit more who diagnosed you I was diagnosed 18 16 to 18 months ago by a guy online from the UK he didn't ask me hardly anything it was an hour and I was diagnosed I had a questionnaire from my parent, had a questionnaire from myself, and that was it. And my partner, Ben, and that was it. An hour, yeah, you've got it. Then I decided to be diagnosed again because I wasn't happy with that diagnosis when I came to Malaysia. I had like two whole afternoons 
they did these tests, they, they singled out everything else. And oh my goodness, the difference in the treatment, the knowledge, the way they were, was significant. And the, the guy online was more expensive. And it's just lack of knowledge, lack of wanting to know, just lack of so many things that people get diagnosed with with uh, depression and anxiety when it's usually underlining ADHD. But the effects of living years and years make anxiety and depression more dominant. And when I was diagnosed here, it really hit home, like, my goodness how many bad physicians that are out there but is it their fault and then they said what challenges did you have that made you go and get a diagnosis when i looked at the dsm-5 and those criteria yeah obviously i you know i was diagnosed i you know i had eight on the hyperactivity and then eight on the uh inattentiveness One was from my, 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 my partner and myself, and one was from my parent from when I was young. And yes, but the things that I most struggled with wasn't on the list. I remember thinking the biggest thing that I struggled with was my emotions. My emotional regulation was out of control. The shame, the anxiety, the guilt the trauma of living this long with, without this. It wasn't talked about. It wasn't brought up. It was not never asked a question. It was like they were reading through a script. Okay, when were you at school? Were you ever, did you ever get out of your seat? Yes. What about my hands moving all the time? What about the fear of letting other children see you? Oh, but it wasn't brought up in school. No, because I hid it. Oh, how could you hide it? You find a way. Trust me, you find a way to fit in. But finding a way to hide yourself, think about the impacts that that could have on you. So when they said, what challenges do you have? Most of them weren't on. Yeah, obviously, I, I can't sit still. I talk excessively, this, this, and this. But the most dominant ones were not even on the list. Then they said, if you could add anything to the criteria, what would you do? And this is when it starts to get me thinking. The impact versus the cause of it. It's like that iceberg. This is what you can see, but underlining, that's what it is. And the 20% at the top, on top of the ocean, is the criteria the 80 percent underneath the impact is 80 percent i would add so much to it i would add emotional regulation executive functions i would add the shame i would add the social anxiety i would add the trauma i would add the perfectionism I would add people pleasing. I would add, I could go on for hours, what I would add. Because it's the service level symptoms. 
But what about the impact of living years, years, years with those symptoms? Now tell me, in the diagnostic process, does it go through that? No. And I actually cried in, in the session because I just find it's, yeah, we're moving forward with time, but we're still so far behind. And there's still so many people out there that are still struggling and still getting told, no, I'm sorry, you don't have ADHD. Or anxiety, that's not ADHD, you don't have that. There's still so much that we don't know. And I really hope that things start to change. And then it said, write your definitions of ADHD for children's adults. Could you describe and how you could describe that to others? ADHD is a paradox condition. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. It's like a scale. One way, one way, one way, one way. It tips one way, it tips the other. One minute you're interested, one minute you're not. One minute you focus, one minute you're not. And that's what makes people not believe it. Because one minute I could be hyper-focused for three hours. The next minute I can't focus for three minutes, depending on it. People say it's a defect of interest. People say it's, you know, a variable attention stimulus trait. There's so many different things to it. And I would say that ADHD is still yet not discovered. It's still not the impact of having ADHD. For me, sometimes it can be far worse than the actual ADHD itself. It can be far more hurtful. And yeah. I... It was, a, it was a really hard kind of thing, you know, going through the diagnostic process was fine. You know, you need six, six, five, five, four, four, two parts of your life, this, this, this. But then when you go into different parts of your life, the trigger points, this, this, and this, all becomes a bit more complicated. But the thing for me that I would say fundamentally defines ADHD is every single person with ADHD is uniquely different. so different in so many ways but so similar in others yeah we may have some but there's not one person with adhd that you'll ever meet that is exactly the same and there's nobody anywhere you'll meet is exactly the same but even more with adhd and i think that everybody defines it in their own way but for me i don't really know what my definition is yet I know, I know this textbook definition, but what about the real definition of people in the world that have it? The impacts, the causes, this, that, life experience, the environment. There's so much more to this than we actually know. Right now we're on the surface. I really hope that we start to dig deeper. Because once we start digging, 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 when we find people, when we find things, it will release. People become diagnosed earlier. All these things, the shame, the this, this. Hopefully we'll come to the surface. When it comes to the surface, 
and it's easier to just finish. So yeah, this week's been a bit of a deep one for me. So it's been really nice to process that with you. Next week, I'll be discussing the statistics of ADHD and the uniqueness of every individual who has this condition, which I kind of touched on today, but a bit more about that next week. My encouragement this week is I, need, I now see how owning our story and living ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that we will ever do. Brenny Brown. Own your story. Know that you're not alone. And remember that a diagnosis is a diagnosis. The process of it is hard. Finding the right help is hard. But you're not alone. Trust me, so many people have the similar struggles when it comes to diagnosing, has the similar struggles, the impact and the causes. Just own your story and try and find and try and do your best to get through. So thanks everybody. I really hope that next week you come back and you learn this and experience the world through the eyes of a coach in training. Why not? Never know we could learn from it. Have a great week, everybody. And we're out. Dear Diary, as the training process goes on, it makes me stop and wonder, could there be more for us? More light, more possibilities, and a place where we can truly be ourselves. I think this journey will be 